Hello, family. My name is Jared Green, editor-at-large at Irrational Passions. I am here with Alex O'Neill, editor-in-chief at IrrationalPassions.com. Uh, this is a review discussion for Arcane's Deathloop. Um, you may have heard of Arcane. They make games that everyone seems to hear about but never play. Mm. Um, the, the, the industry folks call them rad and cool. Um, I think Deathloop is a game that seems to be an experiment to try to break that curse for Arcane. And here, we're going to talk about whether that worked or not. Yeah, PlayStation's Microsoft's exclusive Deathloop. Yes, an, an awkward uh, PlayStation exclusive that happened right before Arcane got bought by Microsoft, meaning that there's a small amount of the development window that was directly financed by Microsoft to make this game an exclusive, a console exclusive for PlayStation, which is hilarious. Yep. Um, but what that also means is Dishonored 3 is an Xbox exclusive. Probably. If it even exists. Probably, yeah. Uh, probably good for them, because uh, that means they don't have to worry about having to sell a lot anymore. They can kind of just make the games they want and get basically paid for. Yeah, I so, think I think part of my hope with Deathloop too was that be, it being kind of like not a launch game, but now that we're you know in the forever launch window of things, mm -hmm. uh, it is kind of like a launch window exclusive, and exclusives early on tend to just pick up a lot of steam, especially if we look back at the beginning of PS4 uh, and yes. how well exclusives started to take off from there, especially the year after launch. Exactly like that, that whole like that twelve, thirteen, fourteen month window where like it took a little bit to get the proof of concept games out there but once it started happening yeah it's got a really a really good argument for the system even like um, ps3 games that had missed their chance just because the playstation 3 was what it was like the last yeah. of us I feel their like. their proof of concepts sort of years were two or three years after launch yeah exactly stuff like the last of us uh got got that second pickup on ps4 in that first year as well uh, and and I, Metal Gear Solid 4, which ended up selling a bunch, but it was like a year and a half later than anyone thought it was supposed to come out. Yeah. I think that's still a game my uncle bought and still has yet to make, take out of the plastic wrap. <laughs> yeah. That's like another game that's just trapped somewhere where it'll never co come home. Yeah, it's never leaving. And if you, you had to be there, if you know, you know. Otherwise, exactly. that, game's, that game is going to disappear to either. Um, So I guess some context to explain... Um, why Deathloop seems so much like a risk or like an experiment in the sort of wheelhouse of Arcane is that they don't really make these sorts of first-person action games. They kind of live in a lineage of the so-called immersive sim um, games that come from the same branch, like System Shock and Thief. Um, Arcane has kind of made themselves like the, the modern sort of immersive sim developers with games like spe specifically Dishonored, Dishonored 2 and Prey have kind of been their, their love letters to that whole sort of system uh, or series of systems that make a game in first person feel like a specific sort of action game. Yeah. Um, so to sort of remove a lot of the narrative leanings and sort of focus a whole lot more on multi-mode action and multiplayer in some fashion. 
seems kind of out of step that you would not think to assume or associate arcane with that kind of design yeah so when Deathloop as a concept was sort of announced and pitched it seemed like a weird step for them but seemed like a good way to kind of uh prove that their skill set can work in a in a sort of vector that is more mass market than what they've been doing in the same way that um Returnal can could be that kind of argument for Housemark, where they kind of made a particular sort of game that was really they were really good at, but it was very small market making something bigger, third person, three D, um, more arcadey shooter on a bigger platform at a higher fidelity. Kind of is an attempt to t- do the thing they do in a place that people might actually see it and find it. Um, I think. Especially comparing those two games, which are both games that are you're you're stuck in a time loop and need to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, both kind of have like a roguelike element that requires you to repeat um, and play the game in run based sort of sections, and are both um, relatively good examples of how teams can both evolve their own abilities, but kind of put their signature on things that we that you wouldn't expect them to do in a, in a way you wouldn't expect them yeah um i think I like think Deathloop passes that test i think when we when we look back at 2011 and 2012 and indie games bringing roguelikes back to life you know like a genre mm-hmm. truly that was like pokemon mystery dungeon <laughs> yeah yeah chaos, that was kind of it yeah you're right <laughs> and like and like if you wanted to like a modern hardcore roguelike that was your game um, just because it was still kind of in the rigidity of that formula, uh, and and I think Rogue likes. There's definitely a tipping point that is probably pretty nebulous, but like they started being like, all right, but what if we just did that, but with platformers or with top-down action games or you know, and and I think that spilled over. Obviously, we've seen Rogue likes come back into the style, and now they're even more into style than ever. I think like this is truly like the the people that played those games are now AAA video game developers and are like yeah this is it like the, we can do so much here that is is untouched and that Returnal and Deathloop happened the same year so it's so funny as, as like things like this tend to happen like Horizon and Breath of the Wild in the same year you know like right. kind of culmination type things people working from the same inspirations or or touching on the same topics but I will say, like, it's been really fascinating to see how these two games have been marketed. Um, obviously, complete opposites. Returnal kind of leans into the mystery and, like, the almost uh, cosmic horror aspect of it uh, and how unsettling this would be. Whereas Colt uh, and his journey in Deathloop is way funnier and way kind of more heavily scripted and... Uh, it feels very much more intentional as opposed to you're kind of stumbling through everything and discovering it as you go. Um, it's very interesting. Two, like, similar... We're going to take genre we know and roguelike and me- meld them together, uh, but, like, just completely different approaches. And it, it's what's so great about the roguelike as a genre. Uh, it, it has infinite breadth within it, and I think that's so cool. And it happens to... You know, indies and AAA often, where <clears throat> the indie space does something, it kind of gets big in that space, and then AAA looks at it and says, "What? What about this? Can we do?" Yeah, and I think it worked for roguelikes because platformers became really easy to make uh, comparatively, because 
the kind of engines you need to use to make a a reliable, reasonable platformer are actually pretty easy to find and pretty easy to work with. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a whole lot of programming background to do something, you know, simple. Then when you figure out a procedural generation engine, that game kind of makes the rest of the game for you. So it's just a matter of balancing what it outputs. And then AAA looks at it and says, we can do that, but with vectors and colors and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's cool that they both started there and then just went in two different directions with it. Yeah. Um, and they're both what I really games. like... And they're both good games, both completely different. Um, and what I really like about Deathloop is Deathloop feels like they did everything they possibly could to feel like, to do the immersive thing stuff that they do well. In that, an- another genre that kind of got cannibalized by AAA and could have dispersed across several genres. Um, but like you said, everything feels more intentional in death loop but it, it feels intentional because everything is intentional everything you every turn that you or every corner every building you walk into could have something in it at some point and knowing when that point is and knowing when, where to look uh makes every step you take and every choice you make as far as how you traverse a map or the kind of the objectives you get done in what order makes them all matter um in a way that you could take advantage are, are completely take for granted in a, in a game that doesn't care how you get to point A to point B. Yeah. Um, making you care about what's in the middle is kind of what Arcane does pretty well. And it's pretty cool to see that in this very relatively small area with only four locations, quote unquote, that you can make four locations by four different time periods and turn it into like a... a such a detailed, dense, and uh, expressive place. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess to start, did you find that this game, the game you played was a game that was marketed to you? I think so. I, I think it, it's, it's weird to think about the marketing in this game. I know people have a lot of problems with it. Um... But like I, I weirdly don't, you know, it's it's one of those things like with the radio. It's like I hear this song way too much. It's like, well, just don't listen to the radio. Yes. Yeah, um, yes. And and it is one thing of like everything that Sony does, they have to put in a, a death loop trailer. But you know, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, we probably got like four death loop trailers and it's fine. <laughs> it's, Over like three years. Yeah, it's fine. It's like... This is a game that I think needed a push like that. So uh and, and I I think how they marketed it is very intentional. Like they they feel like this concept is really complicated and hard to follow. I think in reality that's not really that true. I think it is a lot actually simpler than than it even portrays itself to be. But how they set up of like I mean <laughs> the trailers are so explicitly just the plot of the game of like mm-hmm. there's eight dudes I'm, I'm, you, I'm stuck in a loop <laughs> exactly it's eight dudes you're stuck in a loop you gotta kill them in order to break somebody's the loop. trying to kill me and you all have to do it one day um, I think like the nuances like how you infuse gear to to have it reset with you um, how you do the same thing to power up so you start with power ups and whatnot the the kind of competitive aspect of the game, the protect the loot mode, uh, where you get to play as Juliana and, and Hunt Colt. Um, I think those nuances are, are kind of tricky to put in those trailers, and I think those were the things that they 
surprised me with the most. But yeah, I, I think this game really delivers on its concept, and I do think like that is for sure a for better and for worse thing. Like I, I definitely mm-hmm. think it, it hurts this game a lot, um, and and stops it from like hitting its greatness because it, it almost uh and and yeah i'm sure we'll get into it a bit more but it it feels like this this game misses its potential in a lot of ways just because uh it is doing so many things at once mm-hmm. um it, it is attempting to be so focused but as a result it kind of loses some of what makes it interesting uh to some extent do you think that because i kind of by the end kind of felt a bit of the same way um so i guess to the point of just like playing it the i found like the the shooting like the basic shooting and sort of some of the abilities felt pretty bog standard for like a action game in this generation but i did also feel like a lot of that extra shit was kind of over designed yeah um like the loot system kind of exists as a loot system and no more or less than that um it, to the point where it's almost like this could have just been weapons that you collect once and never have to recollect yeah like if, it felt like if these were kind of deliberate rewards that are kind of more specific as opposed to a random drop like it would have been probably more interesting to use because like half the stuff was either but especially by the, the kind of last few runs and keep in mind, I, I didn't like 100. I didn't do all the kind of extra stuff that you can do, so I feel like I did get through the game in a in a shorter time than you know, not optimal, but pretty close. Uh, and I was getting so many repeats, like so much of the the perks that you get are just completely throwaway, uh, and and so much of the weapons that you start getting by the end are just the same same weapons. I feel like by hour three, I was done picking up stuff that was below like purple like rarity because at this point it's like none of that really matters yeah um i will find something better i know i will because i've found this multiple times and they kind of have this resource that's supposed to squeeze you make you make decisions but you those decisions stop mattering pretty early because there are so many ways to dispatch or get past or or sort of just uh overall like solve your problems that don't involve just shooting the person in front of you yeah. but if you do decide to shoot them in front of you the stupid gun you have in your hand will work yeah. it'll work almost all the time and there's nothing about that gun that won't work if you make it work and generally like because each visionary is kind of tied to uh, a power an ability that you can get they will have complementing equipment to that ability most of the time so it's like i really like havoc uh which is uh fee is that her name um it's fiona maybe uh it's her ability which just makes Mm -hmm. you like do more damage take less damage and then she also has like a really powerful shotgun of course and then you get that and and honestly you could just you're set (laughs) especially if you get one of the upgrades which is if you kill or find another havoc slab instead of getting havoc again you get some sort of upgrade that alters havoc in some way Mm -hmm. like the one where the more damage you take, the more damage you do. So you can just scale, not infinitely, but instead of just doing a flat rate of more damage and having a flat rate of less uh, taking less damage, you continually take less and less damage and continually do more and more damage. So if getting shot is your entire game plan, 
that game starts becoming a stealth game. You get her shotgun, which is very good at the thing you want you want to do, and that's not your game. That's not your design. I feel like everyone I've played played this game relatively the same way, where they had the dash thing and the invisible thing. <laughs> Got the shotgun from what's his name? Uh, Charlie. Who makes the game? Charlie, and they just use that forever. Yeah, and I like the I like the concept of having all these choices, but I feel like more. Unfortunately, the game itself does not make you make choices very often like you can make one choice once and that can be the game you play and and like this is where for me like it is th- this game gives up sacrifices a lot in service of its concepts uh and i think like arcane's kind of signature level design is part of that sacrifice i think you do get some of it and the the levels are well made here but part of the fun of dishonored and dishonored 2 uh, and I assume pray to some extent uh, is like every level is new and every level is challenging and you have to figure it out as you go. So your abilities really matter more because you aren't really sure what's going to be effective. Whereas when you're uh, redoing a bunch of stuff and doing the same levels over and over again, uh, you can uh, like get really comfortable with the same two things over and over again like that's i think part of it was like i know this level and i know it works i don't really need to experiment here um and and they they try and make you want to experiment by having like things happen in the levels throughout different time periods but because so much of the game feels like optimizing what you're trying to do you tend to just start avoiding those levels even if maybe only after doing them once uh and and so i i just feel like again like some of what the game is doing is working against some of its strengths uh and in spite of that the game still manages to to like be compelling and and be interesting and and you have fun throughout it i think that's just like the fun factor of the base sort of design like it's hard to make if you if you're into sort of that roguelike shooter sort of loop it's hard to not like this one because it's a lot like the other ones you've played. Yeah. It just, like you said, it does not really play well with the other thing Arcane's trying to do, which is make this very interactive, sort of intricate, dense, compelling world with lots of decisions to make, um, where you don't have to make any of those because you rolled, you got a pretty good, pretty high power weapon pretty early, just randomly. Um, or you can so easily manipulate um, the flow of the game to go to a particular person, get a particular thing, and build like a pretty overpowered sort of build for yourself early and kind of negate most of the decisions you have to make unless you're willingly making them. Yeah. And um, I, I we talk about like how early it is to get powerful. Like they tell you the they don't there's not a lot of direction in this game, which I appreciate, until like later on when it's like, all right, this is how you're gonna start to put the pieces together. Uh but they tell you like very early on, like you should get the um the shift slab because that is a useful tool for maneuverability uh which leads you to charlie which leads you to the shotgun and shift and then with those two things like truly the world is your oyster (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, it's funny that they direct you to it because they almost know how good that feels yes it it makes me feel like they should have just had you start the game with that and given Charlie a different power (laughs) and it it makes me feel it makes me it almost is the example that maybe there shouldn't be like random loot in between. Like maybe everything should be that 
direct yeah. and that sort of um, deliberate because you can the the more you remove the random chance of me just finding a good weapon or a particular weapon on a random goon and the more you direct me to this particular set of interactions that you made the more willing I'll be to try that interaction next time mm -hmm. what, um, what I will say works though is like and we can talk about the the narrative and stuff to some extent uh like the they do a good job of contextualizing why everyone here is kind of a dummy why everyone here really doesn't care uh and and i think that does like go a long way to help i think some folks have probably talked about how silly the ai in this game is and how not very good it is uh, which is funny because like Sonic games have like pretty, pretty rough spots, uh, especially like Dishonored Two, where the AI is like swarming against you. Um, not as like anything as crazy as I think you would want it to be uh, for like an immersive sim where you're trying to be stealth mode. Uh, but I, I did appreciate that like they lean into the idea that this is kind of a playground for you and for them. Uh, so even though, you know, it, it's not, like, super inconvenient to mow down a bunch of dudes, they go out of their way to, like, put that in in the context of the story to some extent. Uh, and it does make... it, it Everything feels kind of placed and, and contextual in that way. It does. And I think this is a good opportunity to sort of springboard into the story itself and, like, how the narrative kind of walks its way through all the gameplay. Uh, because I think that is an interaction that Arcane does pretty well in this game specifically. Um, though I th also think that for it, it's true, it attempts to supply the the story overall attempts to supply some sort of I guess a mystery or to solve and unravel about the 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 problem, which is the loop that it never really answers or really has any willingness to answer, and it and it kind of has gives you multiple questions that are like you would assume are pretty big and very important to lots of the plot you kind of find in the story and there's never seems to be any great answer to any of those things yeah um which plays directly in conflict with the fact that you kind of have a whole lot of fun doing the work while you're doing it yeah um be it you know just uh, rifling through some of the visionaries like personal effects and hearing their story and like seeing all the Especially, there are some characters who you don't really hear from directly, but you hear about, and everyone, the way everyone talks to you, what's his name, the, the, the like, parlor singer guy. Um, Frank? Yeah, everyone just hates Frank, and it's, and it's hilarious. Frank he has, <laughs> and Frank sucks, but Frank also thinks everyone loves him. Yeah. Uh, in, in a way that's directly sort of uh, contrary to, what's the, the, the party guy, the wolf? Yeah. Who... Alexis. thinks everybody loves him but kind of recognizes that no one actually does but he is so obnoxious and so aggro and alpha that like he just makes people like even if they don't like him he makes them be a part of his group yeah they force they almost basically force half of the visionaries to his party at the end because he's just so annoying um experiencing how those sort of characters develop and and sort of reveal themselves to you while you rifle through their business going through loop after loop after loop is like a really cool way to unfold a narrative that way it's yeah. not just listening to audio files and finding notebooks i mean it kind of is but it's listening to a lot of those things speaking to each other and about each other 
and the game does a great job of like drawing those lines for you instead of having to be like Dark Souls one era writing down all the item descriptions to make a story like they tell you the story like once you find a thing they put it in context for you so you can kind of just like catch up by yourself yeah and and i wish they like did that with the biggest parts of the narrative like you said yes like why are people showing up from other dimensions yeah like you like, uh, is how is it possible that i'm seeing another cult uh which is like something yeah you see it like the beginning of the game like this is not a spoiler like it happens in the intro and, and, and one of the visionaries has several copies of her walking around they all talk to each other and refer to each other as one large wanje but they never explain why there's multiple wanshe but but also like in that intro scene when you're being hunted by juliana and another cult shows up she like freaks out when she sees another mm-hmm. cult like it's some big deal never talked about again no and when you start the defend or protect the loop uh mode you you a juliana meets another juliana yeah. and she seems not surprised by that at all but there's no conversation about how she can have one completely ridiculous, different opinion about another cult and have com- and be completely aloof about another Juliana. Yeah, very confusing. But like, you know, I, I, I think if the game had just told me, like, it doesn't matter, like, we're not going to tell you it's fine, like, I would have been less frustrated. But they very much start setting the, the groundwork from the get-go of like, ooh, you should be interested in these things. And it makes me feel like, like I didn't do a whole lot of the side stuff either. And it makes me feel like that maybe there's an answer in the side stuff. But according to everything I've seen, yeah. like people playing this game who have 100% it, they didn't find any answer either. Those so were, Those were like the things that I kind of tried to go out of my way to do in desperate search of those answers. And yeah, I just did not find any. Uh, Which is a shame because the, the 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 entire sort of gimmick works for me. Yeah. Um. Just just in a, an experience an experiential way. Like I really love the idea that everyone's living the same day. Very few people remember the day. Some people feel like they remember it. Like they have this deja vu. Like they've been here before, but they really can't explain it. There's like holes in their brain. They don't really get it. Yeah. So they just kind of have consigned themselves to party. Um. <laughs> Except for the select few who are all like sociopaths, yeah, um, or a robot, and I, uh, yeah, and the robot's very good, uh, and I appreciate them like adding like the the characters that are kind of interesting tend to not be the the visionaries, and I appreciate right. them trying to do that, but then when all of the kind of fodder is just the same faceless person, uh, male or female iteration, like it it, it loses a little bit of the magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't know. Like, how did I, I? I am curious. Like, how did you feel? Actually, before I say this, because I've been trying to remember a point I was going to make. Not this isn't a critique, but I'm curious if you noticed it as well. There is zero reference to anything in this game. This game has zero cultural touchstones. Period. Which is super. Like, the more I thought about it playing the game, the more I thought it would end up being significant. No references to the uh, an America, to countries, to names, to continents, to anything. Period. Nothing specific. Yeah. It, like, there's lots of implication, but not any actual reference. Yeah. Like, there's the Horizon Initiative, which is kind of like the research that came before. There's mm-hmm. the military. Never re- like. There's no McDonald's in this universe. There's like <laughs> really, they like they reference a band that is like on the island at some point. But like they, it is. It, again, this isn't a critique. It's just like really an observation. I have no idea how this whole game they never 
there is nothing like we know nothing about anything in the world at all and it's it's almost like the island itself has created its own culture because there was and, and whoever has ended up here brought the culture with them but they are so far removed from that that it's their own culture now yeah that and and me again mulling it over playing the game thinking like it must have been it's probably been like tens of thousands like what if like we're in a bubble and the whole world is extinct like there's so many possibilities in my head again not, no answers but like right i just thought that was so fast especially like today of in in the modern pop culture universe that we live in mm-hmm. now it's just to have like truly again not even like referencing actual pop pop culture but like any like a burger store outside in the world like there's no name no pronouns nothing of it's any- funny that you mentioned that now because i literally just reviewed a game for indie game website that is like the opposite of that mm-hmm. it's like a game that may- is maybe a post-apocalypse humans are like running like a labyrinth almost like death race it's a it in and of itself is also like a roguelike sort of auto battler and humans are like just stuck in a basement kind of running into a into the floor endlessly fighting like monsters and shit but there's like constantly pop culture references but you have no idea who these humans are where they came from why they're doing the thing they're doing actually but every once in a while is a Harry Potter reference. And you're like, I don't get it. Why, why, why this reference right here doesn't doesn't actually matter. They're just throwing them in there because the player will get it. Not that they'll make sense in the world at all. Yeah, it's funny that <laughs> Deathloop is the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. And, I, and like, <laughs> I think maybe like part of that is why I'm like, because like, uh, to I know I'm gonna try. I'm been trying this whole time not to bring up Dishonored. It says number two. <laughs> uh, the like the the world building in dishonored is just 10 out of 10 like you know there's these four islands like you only ever go to two of them across the two games and like you feel like you have such an understanding of the other ones and and like these different parts of the islands and like these political figures or authors that you never meet or or scientists and stuff like i really appreciate that and it, it was just so interesting how this was truly the complete opposite approach like they they wanted no I, I I imagine it might have been because they didn't want the need to understand that narrative to like be tied to the investment that you yeah. have in this. I was just about to ask. You think that's deliberate? Like yeah. they 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 spend so much time building a world in both both other dishonors and prey, like building a context for these things to exist uh, and a time and a place that they were like, what if the cult, what if the time and the place is the game? Yeah, and that's all you have to think about. Exactly. I I think for sure it was deliberate, and you know. I, I imagine it's them just trying to get out of their comfort zone, which a lot of Deathloop feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's just so interesting. It, it is such like so few video games do that now. So ga- so many games are about lore. You know, I'm playing like the Trails of Especially Triple A. Like, <laughs> like you can't you can't play Triple A game without knowing why this dude was born. Exactly. And, like, who is dead? Whose mom and dad's name are like. What his blood type is like the the facts that we know about Colt at the end of this game are so short. You know, like he was military man, worked at a project. Now he's here. Like, really, that's all we gotta know. <laughs> like, really, the only other fact you know is a is a spoiler twist. That, yeah, as opposed to kind of make you feel icky about the first five hours of the game. Yeah, exactly. And I think we should also talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess it's it's still narrative. I think part of the I think what's a a very big strength of this game is the dialogue um everyone is written especially the villains are written in such a way that um they all feel different when you when someone's talking about something you kind of associate them with someone already um 
the way they interact with each other, I think it's hilarious. Yeah. They're um, all because clearly none of them like each other, you know? but they're, they're, just, they're all stuck here too. Um, the interaction between Juliana and Colt is funny and weird. Um, because besides the fact that they've been chasing each other, we have to assume for time immemorial. Yeah, years. Um, and that's turned them both into weirdos. Um, the fact that Colt knows nothing, your Colt knows nothing when you start, you have, you have this one assumption about Juliana for a while. Like they, and they play this up like you're, you're slowly gaining a relationship with the stranger who, who knows you, but you don't know her. And the playfulness turns into like a coy sort of shooter movie bro cop flirting situation. And then she's like, by the way, I'm your daughter. And he's like, fuck. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. And everyone just kind of hates it. And I don't know. I feel like Twitter is divided on how they feel about that particular situation. Yeah, I like I don't feel great about it. Uh, and I know Quinn Hoffman also did not love it. Um, and like, I don't know. It's weird because like this game kind of spoilers I guess I don't think anyone's gonna care about this one but this game came out in such proximity to like 12 minutes that it and they're touching on like in, in like a weirdly yeah. incestuous base story in a it is weird of, that there was a whole lot of incest in like a two month period yeah it just it was a lot so it's one of those factors that we can't control but I think is relevant to the conversation because you know games critics love relevant to the reaction yeah, yeah to, they, to putting the time and place of people t tweeting through it yeah um, games critics love to have baggage <laughs> yeah <laughs> like we love to always hold on to the what's going on so yeah I, I think like it if it served more of like a purpose in the narrative I would have been more into it but like they could have made me because the, the idea is to like soften you to her by the end to give mm. you a little bit more of a choice at the end uh, again you know kind of end, ending game choices that, that really only affect what end you get right. and, and I feel like you could have done that without having to do this uh, that's true and I think that is my issue is that this, it's for no reason ex for, except to exclusively troll you it's, it's to manipulate which, the player which is like I get it it's, it can be fun sometimes would you probably but it, it can also be just kind of lame and I, I think it just ends up being a little lame here and I feel like I ultimately agree but I, what I also wasn't I wasn't like disturbed by it I thought it was yeah. funny but useless yeah, uh, funny, and I think it's it's ultimately really it's here to disturb people who see a character like a male or a female character there or any gender that they're attracted to two people talk to each other nicely and just immediately have to ship them. This is trolling them specifically, mm -hmm. um, which feels a little mean spirited, but I'm also a little mean spirited. <laughs> so this seems like a move made for me. But also, it was a thing that I that was super weird for ten minutes for me, and I kind of forgot about, which is why I'm actually upset about it because that should have been something that meant something. Yeah, it, 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 it should have mattered, and really, all it matters is to like make you second guess a single moment, right? Which you, and make you second guess any attachment you had to these characters prior, like yeah, if it, you wanted to invest yourself in the romantic relationship between these two characters. You, now you feel like an idiot for doing so. I th I think there is definitely room to be critical, and I think to have satire on the fact that 
a male protagonist and a female protagonist can't be in the same game without having some kind of sexual tension. <laughs> and I think, like, on another level, this is satirizing that to some extent. Um, but, like... <laughs> We we've got to move on from that, you know. Yes, like, I, like, you could have just not done it either way, right? Like the, you didn't have, they didn't, they could have also not flirted. Yeah, the, and could have just been a professional relationship between the two. The braver, smarter thing to do is to just have them be their own interesting characters with their own interesting motivations. Uh, right. And and while it, that's kind of impossible for Colt because of the situation he's in, I was really hoping that Juliana had something there that would like make me empathize make me understand uh and I, I just don't think that happens yeah i was gonna ask i guess i don't know i don't know if we're like gonna spoil the end i don't know if that's you don't have to doing here. i feel like but i definitely felt like by the end of the game i was not my mind did not change about what i wanted to do to this loop and me too if juliana was an obstacle or not yeah same um, and, and it and it's like they make you feel all kinds of way about that, and to some extent, I, I appreciate of like you're the fa- you're a father. You're supposed to be protective. You know, you, you're taking a stance. Also, you're just frustrated and you're over it. And and like regardless, like the, even if it's a selfish thing to do, it's like we got to break this loop. Uh, like I, they didn't make me feel conflicted enough, and I, maybe it's like the intentional manipulation that makes me like actively like all right i'm done <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like now we're finishing this no more tricks no more games there's so many tricks and traps and treats and whatnot <laughs> you know like i'm so in colt's head i'm like i'm fucking over it <laughs> yeah like it, it, if you're trying to put yourself in colt's shoes like every he can't trust any information he has like exactly he has no idea what's going on and also they make no effort really outside of that to like further even contextualize or try to add some sort of layer to the potential relationship they could have. Um, like the first time they ask you, the first time they really confront with you with the idea that like you and Juliana could maybe figure out a way to make this work together. Um, never really comes up until like almost close to the end. But so, like you never see, you never, you never put in a situation where you consider yourself her father outside of her, her telling you the one time. Like there's no fatherly things you're doing. Exactly, and and you know, abandonment issues and whatnot are serious. But I like I feel like that by just saying that they're there and not really talking about why they happened or or address like having that important conversation like you mm-hmm. kind of undermine those same issues. Here's how Jared, I got it. Like this is how they would have. All right, fantasy book me this. (laughs) This is, if they did this, it would have been incredible. If you do, you know, you have your ending, you choose what kind of side you want to end on to break the loop or protect the loop. Uh, If you had chosen the other side than what we had, you unlock co-op mode and you get to play with your friend. Mm. Like straight up, something like that that is like so mechanical it is like a new option on the menu like something like that where you get to now play with your friend and and approach things from two angles 10 out of 10 (laughs) especially since they've kind of already made a version of that game already you just have to kind of figure out a way to put two people on it yeah or three people in it i guess but i mean they did because in this game juliana comes and hunts you Right. So yeah, if you could have, if you can figure out a way for you, uh, for a team of a you, uh, Cole and Juliana versus another Juliana from like other dimension, because there's those exist, has to hunt both of you. Like now you've changed this game again and and added another layer. That's, that makes it super weird. <laughs> that's their game that comes out next year, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the DLC. Um, 
Which is funny because this game is full of things that they just kind of put there and let you decide whether you're going to interact with it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't necessarily care if you see it. Like, this would be an, another one of those things and be straight up in their wheelhouse of being confident in their content in a way that they don't feel need to force you to it and force you to explore it. Um, it'd be, it, that'd be a way better reward for a lot of that where I found some of the side stuff that exists in the game is like the rewards are so like lackluster it's besides like, the experience of doing it that you're like i'm not even really don't want to do it yeah it's a unique gun right it's like some exotic mm-hmm. gun an exotic dro- weapon drop in destiny um <laughs> or you know one of them which is like this puzzle where you have to go around this the whole area of a map and like decode these ciphers all you get is like all right now you get five thousand residuum at the beginning of each run it's like Right. Oh, for the things I don't really care to buy or sell. Like, truly even further undermining the system that is already like right. too easy. Um and and again, like to what we were saying at the top, putting like more deliberate rewards throughout the game, uh I think would have just been a, a better call, maybe, to some extent. I feel like there's a version of this game that is more linear. And by linear I mean maybe not in the actual like loop and waking up every day and having to do this stuff again but linear and like the way you interact with equipment and like skill trees and like all that stuff feels like it was kind of added mm-hmm. to supply the rpg sort of nature of games like this when maybe a riskier probably a, a move that would have enhanced the experience made it a bit more of a memorable sort of crisper 10 or 15 hours or whatever would have just been to not have any of that. Yeah. Um, because no one's going to remember this game for the tokens or the residual or the guns necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I guess ultimately, like it, I, I think I say all that saying that this is a game I really did ultimately enjoy. Yeah, me too. I, I, it's, it's one of those things like we, it's been a little bit of a dunk fest, but like, I think it is like so close to greatness, like true, mm-hmm. true excellence. That that is why we're so critical of it. But at the end of the day, it is a great game, and it's I enjoyed my time with it, and it is fun to play. And and I'll say this, like I I really do want to say this because I was talking to to our good friend Brian Nobishin Jackson uh, about Metroid. Like this is a AAA game, and similar to that, that just does not feel or look like any other AAA game that is out right now. And I am so grateful to that. Like truly, like in in spite of it, maybe not hitting the mark that I would want it to. Uh, like this is a game where I am not like going through corridors shooting things, and also I am not just like mindlessly not caring about like the levels. It is trying something else. It is incorporating roguelike stuff in a similar way like how Returnal did that made that game more exciting, uh, even if it's like clearly this developer's first time doing a roguelike style game, and it's like oh no, you need a l- these indie guys they, they get it, you need like a thousand things you can find, you need yes. ten thousand things you can find, like that's why those games are all pixel art, because mm-hmm. they, they gotta make a lot of assets yeah, they, they're doing a lot of work in there and, and I think like that like Returnal has six guns and they're all not great, like you, you realize, like, oh yeah, this is way, way harder yes. <laughs> than than maybe AAA developers thought it would be, especially when you're gonna make it all expensive looking and whatnot. So, 
yeah, I, I really like that this game is defiantly trying something different, both in how it's written, in its antagonist, in, in its world building, uh, right? Like, not leaning on pop culture or, like, even just referential type things that we understand, like comic books or, or movie characters or, or whatever. Like, this game does not use any of that and yet still builds a relatively interesting world. Uh, I will say it does it. So I think what's interesting about it is it does use a bunch of it, but it doesn't use it in specific ways. Like the entire ad campaign of Deathloop is like this whole 60s spy thriller situation. Sure, yeah. But there is no specific 60s. There is no Bond reference necessarily. It just has a Bond vibe the entire time. Yeah. But even then, that's not always true because sometimes you'll get like the retro future looking buildings. Um, it looks like, you know, time stopped in the 50s, but then in the way Fallout does, where time stopped, the apocalypse happened in the 50s, and then 200 years happened, and then robots now live in the, in, like, drive, drive-in theaters and, like, mold shops. Yep. It feels kind of like that, but, again, not so specific. So it doesn't, it, it like, it co-ops a lot of, and it's not just one culture, where Fallout is a, clearly America in that time. This is a lot of different places. Yeah. And, Lots of times, yeah. That all everyone seems to have brought pieces of a particular culture to this place, and it kind of just lives together. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it makes a coherent thing, a vibe that you'll take. You, there is not going to be death loop parties necessarily, because <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, but I think it does make a statement that you're not you're not saying I want to make a '60s game or whatever. Yeah. It, it's so funny how like Deathloop's aesthetic is as nebulous as Deathloop's pop culture. Yes, <laughs> it's like '50s, '60s ish, like new age retro kind of. But like, yeah, what does any of this mean? I don't know what it's inspired by. We like there is nothing in this universe, so I have no mm-hmm. idea kind of like where it came from. But then it's also like contrasted against like this medieval brick, like this kind of uh, Eastern European style architecture that right. is like super weird so yeah it's and then like the european countryside like mountains like irish mountains over like a, a, a crusting like sort of ever in and like waterfall like lots of like big bays that also then freeze eventually and now you're in the arctic suddenly yeah like it, there's a whole they they just looked at a bunch of pictures of earth and were like <laughs> we can just put this on this island I it's think. all on one island i tell you what yeah uh, yeah, it's cool, but it's also like frustratingly vague. <laughs> to yes, like the rest of the game. Kind yeah, of. <laughs> exactly. It's it, it is so crazy how much the game like commits and things kind of go hand in hand. But yeah, to just confuse you, just yeah. wants to make you feel like you're in a weird place. We should if... talk about the the competitive multiplayer in this, the one v one. Because because yeah, did you play with this at all? I. So I spent a lot of time online during my single player run as Colt with a lot of a lot of people invaded me. Um, I think I've only done the invasion like once or twice, just at the end because I kind of never I realized I'd never done it before I like after I ended the game. So I figured I'd try it out a little bit. I think on paper it's cool, mm-hmm. um, and this reminds me of this is like what they wanted to do with the big sister and like Bioshock 2 yeah. like 10 years ago and they just couldn't figure it out um having this sort of super powerful character that just knows you're there and is now following you through the map like a, an intelligent sentient Mr. X or Nemesis is like works for it, it wouldn't work in every game but I think it works in this one yeah 
And it's uh, it's good that they go out of their way to establish that character above and mm-hmm. beyond everyone else. Like it it does make way more sense. And it it's cool because like so many of these games where you're talking on the radio to the antagonist is like then you fight them at the end and it's just a lame final boss whereas like this right. one they're just showing up like a you like you can't get rid of this and it's like hey, yes you know like, yeah. like juliana's everything. you'll fight this final boss five times in a run uh and i i like that it, it is cool and it, it is effective as well mm-hmm. and i think that's the most important part it like really does sell this whole predator prey vibe the two of them have um in a way that her being ai doesn't for me because even though everything happens the same way she appears your exits are locked and now she has to hunt you it's different when you know that another human who knows who has done this as cult before kind of knows what you're trying to do and has their own opinions of how you should do it has, has is now going to build the walls between you and it yeah uh, for no other purpose than to troll you for the next 20 minutes or whatever yeah like, this person's gonna hack 30 turrets and put them all right next to alexis like That's that feels <laughs> the same sort of mischievous sort of playful nature that i would assume juliana would take in hunting cold after doing so for hundreds of years probably yeah a day at a time um that was a really cool sort of handshake between the gameplay and the story yeah once again um, i just wish it was more fleshed out <laughs> yes and another thing that i wish felt bigger or made more sense um which is the story of this game in my opinion <laughs> yeah. it's a game I, I inextricably really like but the more i think about it the more i am filling in a lot of the things that i like because there wasn't something there it, it is greater than the sum of its parts for sure um like as a whole but like it does have a great amount mm-hmm. of problems within this pieces uh that should and i think if you're a person who doesn't need everything it doesn't need answers necessarily mm-hmm. you're okay with letting a thing just be a thing um and just kind of want to play the game as it is for 10 hours do you really can't miss with this game um just you know if you're looking for something to absorb you like any other arcane game then i have bad news for you yeah i like honestly this is if you played this and thought it was cool but wanted more like this is the perfect training wheels to go and play dishonored because like those games are like this but you don't get the familiarity with the levels you just kind of are thrown into the deep end and have to get your way out um and this lets you experiment and play around and and know and learn how level design kind of works and how they want you to approach things or at least the lanes by which that they will allow you to approach and then dishonored i think you take that visual language that you now have kind of a a bit of a, a lexicon for take that apply it to dishonored go in there i think you'll see like here's the top lane the mid lane and the violence on the ground floor and you'll feel those options and really appreciate them so yeah if this resonated with people and they want more like please go play dishonor 2 and pray like please <laughs> please i definitely almost attempted to reinstall prey after playing this please game. Jared. and then i was like i'm going to do something else even but, if like honestly for you i know it's probably not like the aesthetic vibe but like play dishonor 2 because i i the there are levels in that game that i know you'd be like all right i see what this is all about <laughs> all of these games are games like if i'm 10 hours in i'm definitely going to like it i just gotta get there yeah and i'm just not i'm not there yet 
Yeah, I Dishonored... also I've been trying to play Prey so I can play Moon Crash, which sounds like the game I actually want to play. <laughs> True. Dishonored Two is like the the best from start to finish uh, of, <clears throat> of their games. It doesn't have as rough an opening, I'd say. Oh, that's on Game Pass, right? Yeah, I can probably run that on Xbox One. That's five years old. Yeah, that that's doable. Who can say? Any final thoughts on Deathloop? Um, this is the only arcane game I've beaten. That's not true. Only arcane game in the past fifteen years I've beaten. <laughs> yeah, that or there we go. Um, and I think if I felt more confident that I would, I would want to spend like the thirty hours required to play both death like Dishonoreds. I think I can definitely see how this is like the gateway drug to those games, mm-hmm. where I don't think. Returnal was the gateway drug to like Resogun. Yes, yeah. Like sure. they they're playing different games at this point, but um, this feels a whole lot like them trying to show you what is good about the rest of these games in a format that anybody can pick up and play and enjoy. Yeah, um, and that speaks volumes to the ability for a AAA studio to find the flexibility and sort of the dexterity to be them. In any place, in any genre, in any form. I feel like lots of, uh, you really only see that in like port studios. You can do anything. Like Bluepoint can do anything. And the, but you know, the irony of that is like we don't actually know if Bluepoint could make a game by themselves. Like could they develop yeah, that's their own very... thing? We um, might find they out can, soon, you know. They can redevelop anything you made, but can they develop something they want? Um, yeah. And so this is, if you've, Whenever you see a, a developer you like get bought up by something big and are worried about their future, I think fair, <laughs> yeah. A, but B, with enough rope and if they're talented, they can satisfy everyone. And I think this game, though not the 10 out of 10 for me, I think it fills that role. I think everybody could come to this game and take something from it. Yeah, I think this is definitely their most approachable game, weirdly enough. And, and, Part of like our criticisms kind of lend to that. Like this isn't gonna overwhelm everybody for better mm-hmm. or for worse. And and it it works mostly in this game's favor. And I think like for folks like us that really wanted more, it, it can work against you. Um, but like sitting here playing this, like ultimately, <clears throat> it is it's fun. It is a first person game that really knows and understands movement. Um, of which there are not nearly enough <laughs> still yes. uh, and and it is so cool to like truly still feel the Bioshock vibe in a video game in 2021 I know like some people might get frustrated by that but like you see that that game is still inspiring video games and System Shock obviously but Bioshock's my touchstone um, the to see that still represented today as like a different kind of thing doing different stuff uh with you know black characters at the center of it which is always something that i'm i'm very happy with like it's part of like my frustration with where the characters go is like finally we get a char- a game with two like people of color at the center of like, it on the cover in like this <laughs> like, who the story swirls around and, and the story good, and... and they're like well acted and then like <laughs> Oh, I'm your dad. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It. The only two black characters in this world are related. Yeah, obviously, like, why? Of course they're related. Like, what a black stereotype thing to do. It's so frustrating. <laughs> but uh, 
in spite of that, like this game is still like really fun. It's just fun and it's funny. Uh, and Colt is like a super fun guy to play as. I think like just because he's like over it, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I I really just it, it, as much as like I would want more from this game. I'm happy I got it, and I think this is a great place to start with arcane like i'm so glad this is so many people's first arcane game because i do think this is a great place to come in mm-hmm. well you heard of here first ladies and gentlemen you heard of here 34th yeah, yeah, yeah really <laughs> halfway through october <laughs> the definitive opinion on that great conversation though so whatever the nerds can deal with it yeah, for some reason, if you didn't read the other 45 reviews on Metacritic and you needed the first opinion, this is the one. Um, thanks for joining me. Yeah, Jared, thanks for hanging out. Um, for watchers and listeners, uh, if you want to follow us for more sweet opinions on games a couple months late, um, hit Alex on Twitter, Alfighter27, me on Twitter, uh, at Jared John. Um, you can go to the YouTube page that you probably saw this on. Click on some other videos. We do those too. Um, Mike's uh, viewpoint series, basically previews for really cool games. Um, other review discussions like this, uh, more fleshed out, well written, well edited, uh, full video reviews. Also there, archived streams, archived. Rational Passions podcast episodes. It's really everything you could ever want on the internet. I'd say like two things that'll probably be in close proximity to this, hopefully, in an ideal world. One, if all goes according to plan, uh, myself and Moises Taveras sit down mm. and we're going to talk about uh, Metric Dread. I know that guy. Um, and then the most recent episode on YouTube, because it's probably where you're going to watch this, uh, the most recent episode of A Trip to Nintendo Land with the, the internet sweetheart George Cruz Alvarez should also mm. be happening. Or we're gonna just talk about Sora and Smash Brothers for young baby years. child George Cruz Alvarez. <laughs> Sweet baby, the ne- next class, future next class of the game awards. A hundred percent. George I'm, Cruz. Even if it's even if it doesn't happen, I'm writing him in. Exactly. Even if it doesn't happen, it's fu- I'm gonna be like the 51 members of the game awards <laughs> next class, including George Cruz, the definitive cut, the director's mm-hmm. cut, the director's cut, the Hideo Kojima director's cut, <laughs> the Keely Kojima director's cut of the the game awards list. Yeah. So go check those out. Uh, subscribe to IP Presents, where the audio version of this is, um, because I sat and talked to Nabishin about Metroid there that will hopefully be out uh around this time as well also arguably a good game arguably some might say a good game mm-hmm. cool that's it go home or you're probably already at home when you're watching this so <laughs> go somewhere else go to somebody else's home yeah we love you bye <laughs> bye <laughs>